Neat Stuff Podcast, Episode 2. Today, we talk about Tribes Ascent, a free-to-play online team-based first-person shooter, Doctor Who, a long-running BBC series, and Khan Academy, a workout for your brain. So this is the Neat Stuff Podcast, where we sit around talking about neat stuff. My name is Devin. Joining me today is my brother, Tyson. Hello. And we are going to be talking about neat stuff. But before we get to that, what have you been up to this week, Tyson? Well, I've been uh, not a whole lot playing games with friends. Uh, I ran a uh, Sword Noir game, which is a nice little RPG this uh, yesterday that actually went really well. Um, found a couple of other friends who are interested in hero clicks, so that's cool. Um, and been playing the Magic game on the iPad, it, the Magic 2013. It's interesting, fun, but interesting. So what have you been up to? Well, um, a lot of work-related things. Fourth uh, of July came around, so we blew up a bunch of stuff and ate some watermelon. That was cool. And yesterday, I ran out to Newport, Oregon, which is the beach where we're at. And do you remember the tsunami? One of our uh, many beaches. Yes. Do you know uh, the tsunami that happened in a couple of months ago in Japan? Mm-hmm. So during that, a piece of one of their floating docks got dislodged and floated all the way across the Pacific Ocean and landed in Agate Beach. So there's this Japanese <laughs> uh, little dock just sitting there and you can run out and, and touch it. And it's like, so now I have touched something from Japan that didn't have to be imported like Pocky or something. So, you know, an actual like thing that was in Japan. It was kind of cool. Wow. Um, they, what's cool is that they had to go out and they cleaned it off of all the barnacles and all the other things because they didn't want to have that wildlife come in and start being an invasive oh, species. Of course, invasive species and all that. Yeah. So it was actually cool. I went to the beach, had some fun, got a little bit of a sunburn, but you know, it it was a lot of fun. And with that, let's move on to the neat stuff. So what do we got first today? Well, the first neat thing on the agenda is Tribes Ascend. Now I've been playing Tribes since the old days back when you had to tap the uh, the jump and the jetpack to get the skiing down. Um, it's it's a great game. It back in the late nineties it was created and one, it was one of the first large open world, massively uh, first person shooter sort of things. It was originally designed for 26 players per team over dial up. So, I mean, that's how you know, old it is. But uh, one of the interesting things about their procedurally generated terrain is it was all slopey and whatnot. And there was a bug that if you tapped the space bar just right and tapped your jetpacks because you, know, you have jetpacks in it um you could s- effectively ski over the terrain and get a lot of speed going to the point of uh you could actually outpace most vehicles in the game wow so so you you'd basically do this it's kind of an interesting that you start at the top of the hill and you'd ski down the hill and then there'd be little lips that you jump off of and you'd sort of fly through the air because it was a physics-based game your momentum stuck with you one of the first yeah one of the yeah first. momentum actually uh momentum even in the latest version uh the mo- your momentum is pretty much your greatest currency is you know any time that you slow down or stop you're probably going to get killed and it's definitely a game where the ground is lava not that the ground will hurt you but that's where uh, most of the weapons are explosion based so if you were on the ground or near the ground they don't have to hit you with uh the various weapons uh 
One of the things that Tribes is well known for is a spin fuser, which shoots out this blue glowy disc that moves fairly slowly, but it moves in a straight line, like a perfectly straight line. And if you get good with it, you can uh, hit the ground, you can fire it where you think they're going to be, and as long as you get it close, you're going to do damage. So it's the fire where I'm going instead of where I was. Kind exactly. Of it, it very much uh, teaches you to lead your targets and whatnot. And so this latest version, uh, Tribes Ascend, really keeps the classic uh, mode of you know base defense and teamwork and whatnot, well, makes that, you know, has that uh, complexity of the earlier games, but it really simplifies things like skiing and uh, defense deployment and loadouts. It really speeds them up, which is one of the problems with the earlier games. I remember that we used to play tribes at land parties, and you had the people who were good at tribes and everyone else. And it was basically you'd have a bunch of people running around slowly, and they get really frustrated because they constantly got died by or killed by all the people flying through the air, shooting spin fusers at their feet and hitting, you know, jumping out of the way and all this other stuff. So it's really difficult. What's nice about Tribes Ascend is that it's a free-to-play game. So they're using that freemium model that a lot of other games are starting to do, that you, you just sign in, get an account, and you get to play. And there's a ranking system and a matching system, so you get played with other new players, so you're not up against the ungodly good people. And as you get going, you can unlock different weapons and abilities and make your experience a little better. Yeah, and the, the unlocks don't so much uh, change your power level so much as they give you more options in what to do. Uh, usually when, you've, when you first start playing, pretty much your only options are going to be run and gun. Um, your... Uh, you know, you'll have a choice of playing either a light or medium or a heavy, uh, light, medium or heavy armor. Um, light is just, you know, with the Pathfinder class, which you get a spin fuser and a shotgun. And so you move very fast. You have a lot of mobility, low health. Um, but it's a great way to get into the game and get a feel for momentum and, you know, let you uh, be useful uh, without having a whole lot of experience with the game. But as you progress and you try things like the medium armor, such as the um, the soldier or the, uh, I think it's the juggernaut is the other one that you get for free. Um, as you get those, you can try out different play styles. You get a feel for, especially with soldier and even more so with juggernaut, you've, inertia really becomes a problem and you're very very cognizant of your inertia. Um, there's a couple of training modes that are nice. There's a, a really nice um, training mode where you try, it teaches you how to do the inertia and get as much speed. And basically it, it's, it gives you a course that you try and race down, get as much speed as you can so you can get as much height at the end to kind of vault over a, uh, a goalpost sort of thing, and it rates you on that. So it's, it, the training-wise is actually fairly good, um, and it throws you right in, and you pretty much pick it up pretty quick. Um, one of the things is that it, as you gain experience, it scales your difficulty. It like you know, matches you with more and more experienced people as you get more experience. So especially at the earlier levels, it's really easy for someone who doesn't have a whole lot of experience to really get a feel for it, and to feel like they are really contributing. Yeah, one of the nice things about Tribes is that you can be the, the worst player in the world and just sit at base with heavy armor and, a, and just shoot people as they're coming for the flag. 
or you can get up to that really high skill cap where like the professionals are where they are passing the flag in air and changing like one person's going one way another person's going 90 degrees to them and they throw the flag to each other in air the other person crashes it and flies off at full speed going the other way and you do all this aerial there's a ton of aerial sort of gymnastics that can happen when you get up to that high high level that of really being good and there's nothing better than because what's nice is that that they will give you little tokens for everything that you do so you get little awards constantly and one of them my favorite award is the blue plate special which is where <laughs> you shoot a spin fuser and you hit someone in the air and you so hard them. yeah oh no spin fuser is almost always insta death even for the heavy armors well it's like two hits for that but it's but the spin fuser is is like the best weapon i i love that weapon so much and getting a blue plate special the feeling of just oh my gosh i can't believe i just did that i led because there's so many things there's distance there's speed there's the speed of your projectile there's so many things you got to get a feel for and you just get to this sort of intuit when to click and when not to and when you get one it's you get a nice little cha-ching blue plate <laughs> special you're like Yes, and the nice thing about the awards, they're they're very uh they're very liberal with the awards and achievements in the game. So repairing uh, anything that encourages team play or skill, they really reward uh, repairing uh, your generators, you know, placing things out, even assisting people in kills. If you were able to do, I think it's a quarter of the uh, a quarter of the damage on someone that someone else kills, you get an assist token. And the nice thing about all these tokens is they go towards your team's wealth. Um, and you can use team wealth to do things like upgrade uh, turrets and sensors uh, buy vehicles, call in airstrikes. So even if you're not directly involved with that, as long as you are contributing, you are helping your team. Yeah, this is definitely a team-based game. It's the, if you can, all you can do is just run around and repair turrets and run around and repair the generator and all that other stuff. That could be the only thing you do and your team can win because of your choice exactly. to make sure that your base was online and all the defenses were up and running. And that's that's a big thing. So, if you're interested, uh, just type in, uh, or actually, it's downloadable on on Steam, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. so it's it easy gets to get into, into your games list, but it's also downloadable straight from their website, so you don't even have to go through Steam. Um, one of the things on the Steam though is for like nine ninety nine, it gives you a starter pack, which gives you a boost to your experience. It opens up a couple of extra classes. Um, and unlocks a couple of weapons for you. And it, I, I bought it. It was, you know, 10 bucks, and really was worth it. It improved my experience in the game, gave me a lot more options um, to switch around. So now I usually start off a game as a technician laying out uh, equipment and whatnot, and then switch to either a soldier, once I've you know done that for a bit, switch to either a soldier or a pathfinder and either defend the base as a soldier or go off and try and cap a couple of flags myself. Um, one of the cool systems, uh, one of, just one of the cool game modes before we finish up here, uh, is their team deathmatch. Now, uh, Tribes has always had a... Uh, a game mode called rabbit where whoever has the flag is the rabbit and everyone tries to take them out and get the flag. Um, and it kind of turns into a bit of a mess <laughs> in the earlier tribes, but they've uh, done it, used that uh, mechanism here in team deathmatch where if a team member has the flag, 
any kills that you make count double. And so you have this very team incentive to get the flag, but also to, tr you know, the traditional team deathmatch of take out as many opponents as possible. And it really adds an interesting flavor to the game and really, really shows, you know, of any of the game modes, what, uh, it, what inertia really can do for you. Um, cause you can get, you know, you can take out everybody you can get the flag but if you are not moving if you can't get some speed very quick you're not going to have that flag for long <laughs> so but yeah a lot of fun very fast paced and you know you can drop 20 minutes on it and feel fulfilled i mean really have a good time of it and not really feel like you need to go for an hour or whatnot the game the, the games seem to go pretty quick yeah, it's also nice that the music's pretty epic and it, oh, it really totally. gets you pumped and going. So <laughs> if you want something that you can either spend 20 minutes on or 20 hours on, Tribes Ascend is a great place to do it. And you will be saying Shazbot by the end, I assure you. Shazbot! Shazbot! All right. So up next, we have some cool entertainment for you, something that you can watch. And it's the new Doctor Who which is available on Netflix and Amazon streaming. So back way, this is one of the classic sci-fi shows started in the 1960s by the BBC. It was one of the, I, I want to say it's one of the earlier real hard sort of, well, not really hard science, but like super science kind of shows where they talked about time travel and aliens and all this cool little sciencey thing. But just past what the actual science technology of the day was to something that's a little more more out there and exciting. Well, it started off as an educational show, actually. Um, and if you watch some of the original Doctor episodes, they touch on things like uh, electrostatic repulsion is a plot point. Um, uh, and uh, among other things. So it's, yeah, it's a really interesting show they've definitely they have a monster of the week sort of feel where it started off as kind of a one-off every episode kind of exists within itself but it changed over time and really grew over time yeah so it follows a character called the doctor now the doctor it's that's his name he doesn't actually have a name but he's the doctor that's how everyone calls him he's uh from a race of time travelers called the time lords i know it's 1960s BBC, not the most like imaginative when it came to names. No, or costume. I mean, some of the the time lord costume they look like they'd be uh, they'd fit in as a at a uh, Flash Gordon convention. Seriously, Ming the Merciless has nothing on the time lords. What's cool about uh, the time lord sort of is that they have all these adventures and run around and, and they, they use time travel as a vehicle to get to the setting that they want. So they want to go back to Victorian England. They go do that. They want to go back to ancient Greece. They go to that. They want to go to the future when, you know, after the sun blow, burns out and destroys the planet, you, they go, you know, millions of years into the future and all the place in between. So, and what's interesting, probably one of the coolest things is that this series has been going since the 1960s. There is no actor that could play a role for 50 years. I'm, I'm just saying that's not going to happen. 
they, they uh, solve this by coming up with an actually a rather ingenious cheat that allows them to, uh, not a cheat, but a story point that allows them to switch actors fairly regularly keep, and every time they do, kind of being able to redefine who the Doctor is, his personality, and often, sometimes some of his backstory. So what they do is that whenever the Doctor gets seriously hurt, so... You know, he gets massive dose of radiation or he gets blown up or killed or poisoned or something. When it's something that they're like, oh, no, we have to end this. We have to. The person's going to die. What happens is that he regenerates. He has this massive energy blast and he changes into a brand new person, like literally completely changed, different personality, different, you know, different actor. And that's how they bring in that other actor. Which is kind of ingenious because you're like, you get to that moment of, oh, no, he's going to die. No. And you're like, regenerate. And you're like, holy cow. And that time around regeneration is always kind of interesting. And when that new actor comes in, you start to get to know the new actor. You get to see the new ways. And it's always a really exciting thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and the time around regeneration allows for a lot of uh, really interesting plots, not just the traditional, hey, there's a new person do they remember me? They look different, you know, trying to re-relate to someone who you've been friends with for a while. But oftentimes they use it to kind of mix up the doctor's powers and personalities um, with the changeover from uh, the Christopher Eccleston doctor, the ninth doctor was ninth. Yeah. Ninth. Yeah. And the David Tennant 10th doctor, they really kind of played with, you know, you know, someone who has, you know, is trying to discover who they are now. And that sort of, it, there was a lot of fun drama uh, and just character interaction of this character trying to figure out what, it, who exactly am I? So with, with the, with the doctors, there's been 11 so far and there's, there's rumors out there that he can only regenerate 12 times. So we're getting close to the end and it's kind of an interesting, but they'll figure out something. They always figure out something to make it work. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the main plot points in the past was that uh, a, a rogue Time Lord called the Master had kind of hit his regeneration limit and was trying to find ways to extend his own life. Um, the Master's a pretty reoccurring villain uh, to varying degrees of success, but uh, even the Master has here and there found ways to kind of cheat that regeneration uh, cycle. And actually, uh, the most recent uh time that the master has uh been involved was actually involved some interesting and clever subterfuge and some fun jabs at politics actually yeah it's kind of cool because with the with the doctor stuff um it's definitely a you got to think it's all talks about time travel and you got to think about things in a different perspective so they'll sometimes have episodes sort of run sort of in order you think from one person's perspective, but the doctor's jumping through and he's, you know, you notice that his action, so his future is your present. And there's all this confusion of all that that happens. And there's some really interesting things of, oh, I could fix that. I'm going to go back in time and do this. And it's kind of like that Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure thing, <laughs> but it works a lot better, I feel. And it's really good. And, well, the Bill and Ted played it for comedy, where the Doctor uh, is able, Doctor Who is able to play that sort of thing not just for comedy, but also for pathos, for drama, for, uh, you know, you get a wide variety of episodes, some of them are that are very just funny, 
uh, some of them that are it allows them to play with different themes so like horror themes or politics or even pulling some of uh, J, uh, Roddenberry's you know uh, modern parable sort of thing the, the, these are mor- morality plays sort of thing and so and the nice thing about the doctor is it always takes it from a very interesting perspective where oftentimes the alien the other that thing that, that horrible monster that you'd think would be the one that you need to fear is actually the uh the, the one that is justified in what they're doing and that you should be helping whereas the one with the, the the pleasing and you know seemingly human face is actually your the one that's going to try and eat you so and it 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 plays with a lot of that sort of dichotomy of you know what is good what is evil what is justice what isn't and it's it, it does it fairly well so for for this um series it is there is some sort of intense bits of it uh for age appropriateness I would say any, I really think pretty much almost any age can watch a lot of the episodes. Um, there, there's not a whole lot of gore and, and guts or anything like that. Um, there are, there is death, there is people dying. Um, but the way that they die is not usually like they explode or anything. They get eaten or they get electrocuted and they fall or over. explode into a puff of smoke. So Yeah. So there, it's pretty, it's pretty kid, kid friendly. I would say... Um, 10 to 12 is probably the best because you don't want to give young kids nightmares of the monsters and everything because there is some pretty scary stuff. Um, it is pretty good. Uh, the Doctor Who is actually split up into two eras. There's the old Who, which is the original from 63 to 89. Um, and that was kind of the original running series of the Doctor, of the Doctor, all kind of on that. And then they took a break for a while. And then in 2005, they came back with the new Doctor Who with Christopher Arkelson, who starts off, it's from what I understand, it's right after the time war that happens. And there's no more time lords. There's um, Gallifrey, which is where they're from, is gone. And they start from there. And, and that new series has a new kind of feel to it, a little more, a little more actiony and really, uh, really made for today's audiences. If you go back to the '60s, it's going to be pretty cheesy. You can actually it can get a bit hokey. Yeah, it can get a bit hokey. You can see the string on the TARDIS as it's flying through space, kind of thing. But the the earlier ones are still very good. Um, e- even the newer ones can be a little bit uh, rubber monstery. Um, but it's really easy to drop in uh, the pretty much any transition to a new doctor. So either the 2005, uh, the beginning of 2005, the beginning of 2006, uh, where David Tennant comes in, or if you just drop it, uh, are two good places to kind of drop in. Uh, if you have the time, I'd suggest 2000, starting at the very beginning of the new series. Uh, but you can, like I said, you can drop in on pretty much any of them. It's not really big on continuity, uh, most of the episodes are self-contained, although the new series does have a lot more arcs in it. If you go back to the older series, the nice thing is that they, while they had arcs, the arcs were a multi-episode arc, so it almost became, it was almost, you were watching a series of mini-serieses as opposed to a television sh- uh, series. Uh, so you'll have like three episodes of The Unearthly Child, which you know follows the, the original Doctor and his granddaughter. 
Uh, you've got, you know, in with the fourth Doctor, you've got the origins of the Daleks, which is a six-episode arc that you can kind of just follow those arcs. And each of those arcs tend to be fairly standalone. And if you do go back uh, to the older series, I would suggest trying some of the original, the first Doctor, where he's a grumpy old man. Uh, And also the fourth Doctor is a lot of fun. Uh, He's one of the most recognizable ones. He's played by Tom Baker, and everyone knows him for The Scarf. The ludicrous, ludicrous scarf. But yeah, it's a fun show. Um, it's great to have on when you're, you know, cleaning house or doing dishes and whatnot. That's when I usually watch it myself. So, yeah, so it's definitely something to to check out. Um, I you gotta pick your. Uh, usually, people have who is their doctor. So to wrap up, who is your favorite doctor, Tyson? As much as I love David Tennant, and I love David Tennant. Oh, yes. Um, uh, mostly because uh, he was fun playing off of Jack, Captain Jack Harkness, one of the reoccurring characters that got his own spinoff, actually. I still got to go for Tom Baker. Tom Baker was just clever and insane and just always cheerful, even in the face of really tough decisions uh, that had, you know, universe spanning consequence. What about you? Uh, mine is David Tennant, just because he's smart, he's quirky, he can be very emotional at times, he can be others, and I think you see a lot of heart in him, and just his, he is someone who is brilliant. Who and is, he cares. And he care, and that's the greatest thing. He's the smartest guy in the room, but he cares about every living thing out there, and he always gives you a choice. If you're doing something wrong, he will come to you and say, you are doing something wrong. You need to stop because if you don't, I will stop you <laughs> and you will not like what happens from it. And it's, he has some really amazing episodes and some really great story arcs. Very well written character and a very well acted character. Yes. He's an amazing character. So I would suggest, I mean, start with, uh, with whatever you want. I mean, you can pick any doctor, just start it off and, even the latest stuff with Matt Smith is pretty good, but I I like I like seeing the transition from Christopher Walkerson to David Tennant to Matt Smith. It's a definitely a cool kind of just sort of flow of from dark and brooding to a little more uh, zany and smart, but just heart you know just just still heart wrenching pain to absolute insanity and silliness, which is actually really cool. So that is entertainment up next is a neat thing that's in the universe so let's say that you have a child who is struggling in math or you yourself are struggling in math and you don't really want to go pay for a tutor or anything else what there is somewhere out there that you can get some help do you want to tell us what that is tyson oh yes um con academy uh spelled like con but completely not rage inducing is this great site um it it's not just for math uh this uh guy solomon khan um after tutoring some relatives in math uh that you know lived far away he started making youtube videos for them where he'd explain one concept and really get it down um and it really helped out his nieces and nephews who were having problems and he decided to uh, expand up, you know, he published them publicly on YouTube and they started getting a lot of help, hits and a lot of people following him and, 
you know, learning from his stuff. So he decided to create this website, Khan Academy, where they would all be collected. But one of the great things about Khan Academy and why it's great for people who have difficulty with math or are, need brushing up on math or whatnot is that it breaks down mathematics into tiny conceptual chunks going from you know, one plus one, another single dish addition, all the way up to things like differential calculus and statistics and even some stuff that'll lead you into physics uh, with, uh, you know, well, calculus. So, yeah. But it, and some number theory stuff and graphing and all that sort of fun stuff. And the great thing about it is, is it really takes it through at your own pace and doesn't let you progress. Well, you, I mean, it doesn't stop you from progressing if you want to jump in, but it doesn't let you progress up this you know, very RPG-like skill tree of, you know, if, if you've played uh, Diablo or if you've played World of Warcraft, you're familiar with skill trees where as you get more experience, you put ranks and skills and you kind of move down the tree to get access to bigger and more complex abilities. It really works the same way, taking math from base concept of one plus one and single digit and then splitting it off. So you start with, you know, two digit uh, addition, but it also splits off into uh, single digit subtraction and just kind of, if you go to the website, their exercises, um, you know, make a nice tree that you can kind of uh, follow along and, you know, do these exercises and really prove mastery in every small concept in their, uh, you know, individual concept before moving on to the next concept. So what, what Khan uh, kind of figured out is something a movement that's been going on in education called the flipped classroom. In a traditional classroom, you go to class, you sit down, you all pull out your books, you listen to some guy lecture on for long periods of time, you take notes, and then you go home and do homework. You know, you write papers, you do problems, that kind of stuff. The problem with that education style is that it's designed, it was designed way back, you know, years and years and years ago when there was an information, when we were in information deserts. So there is very little information and very few places to get information. You couldn't just go home and you had whatever books you had at home. You didn't have the internet. You didn't have, you know, you may have had a newspaper. If you're lucky, there's a local library you can go to or a community college or something like that that you can go to and have an expert sit on, you know, the podium and give you information. The flipped classroom idea is to switch that around. So your homework is to listen to lectures, watch videos, do some, you know, required reading, all that stuff that you can get from an online source. So YouTube videos or an interactive website or something that helps teach you kind of the concept when you're at home. And then when you come to class, you're getting a reaffirmment of things. You're doing classroom activities. You're doing homework at the class, you know, what a traditional homework is, which is solving problems and that, you'd be doing that with an expert, you know, that teacher to double check and to help guide you of, oh, you are able to figure out this, this, and this, but you're, you're weak on these, go watch these videos. And here's, here's what your homework assignment is to review this information and to get better with it. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, the way that they let you prove mastery is they give you a series of questions within that concept. And once you can answer t 10 questions in a row without any errors, they kind of unlock the next level 
you know, you, you get a you get a marked as mastery of that, and you get to move on to the next level. Um, they also they, they've incorporated a lot of gamification in this, uh, badges, points, that sort of thing. So, as you progress, you collect more badges, different badges, you gain more and more points. So it really kind of triggers into that sort of Xbox Live achievement system you know, points sort of thing. But also the nice thing is, is that they don't assume you don't know the next level until you are showing that you're having problems with that level. And then what they do is they come in and say, hey, look, for extra points, go watch this video that explains this concept. And, you know, it, it just focuses on that one concept that you're having a problem with. And not only does it give you the opportunity to learn the new skill or the new concept, but it also um, gives you points at, for, you know, attending the lecture about that. And it typically only does it, uh, it gives you more points if you're not doing good at that. So it really incentivizes you that if you're having a problem, that's, you know, if you're having a difficulty, it's not a problem. It's an opportunity for more points. And so it sends you off to where you can get more points, but also get the instruction you need to move on to, to, to master that level. And I really like that model of, like you said, the reversed uh, roles where the homework isn't doing the work. The homework is the, uh, le you know, reading the lecture and following that. Whereas the, you know, the instructional part is the actual doing of the work. Yeah. So if you are a teacher or you know any teachers out there, I highly recommend that you take a look at Khan Academy and how they frame their videos, how they sort of frame all this stuff, because you can incorporate a lot of these skills into your classroom because we're getting to the point that web technology is getting everywhere. And there are so many different ways of doing document camera like things. You can get a document camera for relatively inexpensive. That's able to record video. There's also camcorder and docu document stand things that you can figure out. And you can even start, you could start recording your lectures, record what you're saying and just send those home as homework. You don't actually have to sit and do, depending on your classroom management stuff on how good your students are, you may be able to sit in the classroom, turn on the recording, record what you were doing just straight and send that home. So if you have students who are either absent or not available, you can do this whole video thing because the next, you know, there's a lot of, I've been talking with a lot of teachers and I've been talking with a lot of different, um, you know, educators out there and they see the future to be like Khan Academy to where you are going to have tons of videos and teachers aren't going to necessarily teach in the like lecture. They're going to teach you one-on-one -on -one instruction in a classroom setting. You're going to get help from your friends. You're going to get help from other people that they're going to because class sizes are getting so big, they're not going to be able to just dedicate 20 minutes of a 70 minute class to lecture time. They need to do that at home before you get there. And if you're not, they can set you down with a computer or put you on a tablet or something or a laptop and you can watch that video in class. And the nice thing about Khan Academy is it does have a lot of really good tools for teachers where you can actually set up classes, have students subscribe to your class and as you know, you can assign homework through it. You can track progression of your class through it. You can find people that may that, that are you know taking more t uh, time to 
progress to the next level so you can focus on them more and give them more direct assistance. And it really is going where you're not so much lecturing or teaching the material as in filling the gaps and helping the students make those connections uh, that they might not be making. Yeah, because the important thing for education nowadays is mastery. With all the state testing, they want to know that you have the ability, you have these abilities. Doesn't matter that you got through a class. Doesn't matter that you slept through a lecture. They want you to be able to demonstrate your skills. And if you have a student who's great with all these other things and then has this little weakness, you can identify it, issue it, teach them, and then they can become mastery of that skill and move on. So check it out. I mean, it's good for all ages. Even if you're not in a class or teaching a class, I use it regularly to kind of get my brain going in the morning. It's a great, you know, five, ten minutes, blow through uh, one of the uh, one of the levels. You know, that's my math for the day, and I'm ready to work and really be thinking uh, once we get, you know, to do my job. Since I work in the, the uh, knowledge industry, as it were, or, you know, programming and whatnot. But it really, it's a great brain warm up for all ages. So if you're, you know, six or 60, it's a great place to go to brush up on your math skills because math is such an important skill to have, especially basic math. And as you get up higher, you may not, you may not think you need statistics, but if you understand statistics, there's a lot of things in this world that make a lot more sense of why things happen. And math is kind of the universal language that everyone is able to talk to each other in and being able to understand equations and just sort of understand how the world works allows you to make basic assumptions and to have you it'll be able to have more informed decisions in your normal everyday life. And it can also hone your instincts on certain things. You know, when does things, you know, someone tells you a fact or whatnot, and it doesn't seem to add up a statistic, and it does, just doesn't seem there's something off about the statistic. Having a well-based in math can really uh, develop that uh, critical thinking and your ability to kind of, you know, look at what people are telling you and really judge, is that accurate? <laughs> So, yeah, a lot of fun. And this, and like I said, the site is a lot of fun and really, you know, a nice little workout for everyone. Yeah, they're, they're doing good work. You should check it out. You should help. You know, if you have kids, it's never too late to get started and to understand mathematics. So that's it for the Neat Stuff podcast. Next week, I am going to be at PDX Land, which is a 500-person LAN party, awesome. gaming it up with a bunch of people and hopefully winning some cool stuff. Uh so we're going so i'm going to be podcasting live from the floor hopefully the internet connection is good and i don't get kicked for some other random thing but it'll be a lot more interesting um what are you going to be doing next week tyson um i'm mostly going to be at home chilling um everyone's going to be out of town so that'll be interesting uh probably playing tribes ascend if i had to guess (laughs) because oh my gosh that is between that and minecraft it's kind of been my crack recently so yeah so from from us at the neat stuff podcast we will see you next week toodaloo The Neat Stuff Podcast is brought to you by Davros Pest Control. When your infestation of inferior beans get out of hand, call Davros. He'll exterminate everything.
Tchou! Tchou! Ah!